On the third day, he rose again in fulfillment of the scriptures. How are you two today on this bright and glorious morning? How is it glorious? It sure is bright, I'll admit, but it certainly is not glorious. Did you forget the recent events? Such as the events from a couple days ago? The close family and friend of ours who died a gruesome death. Of course I remember that. How could I not? What about you, Mary? Oh, I could be better, of course. How is it glorious after what we witnessed yesterday? Why would the weather have such audacity to be this way? I don't blame you two for feeling this way, but somehow, I don't know, I, I have hope. Hope in this dark and dismal situation. I, I can't explain it, but I do. It's present. Maybe it's because Jesus did the impossible for me. He cast out the seven demons from inside me. I feel he's able to do something impossible again. And what might that impossible something be? I am unsure yet. The three women pause. They had finally reached the tomb where Jesus was laid. It stands before them, a wall of white sandstone where they had expected to see the opening covered by a stone or even a door, but there was neither. Instead, a gaping black hole confronts them and to the side was the stone that was previously blocking the entrance to the tomb. The three gasp at the sight. They drop their boxes and jars of spices and they run to the entrance. Cautiously, they enter the tomb, internally preparing themselves for the sight of Jesus's body. But the tomb where Jesus' body was previously laid is empty. The three stand silently at the entrance and then begin to search the rocky tomb extensively. He's not here. Did someone take his body already? Right before the women start to panic, they hear a soft clearing of the throat coming from their right side, each startled as they turn to see a young man sitting on the slab that was meant for Jesus's body. The man is dressed in a snowy white robe and his skin is emanating a faint golden glow like he had swallowed a flashlight. Don't be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He's not here. Here you may see the place where they laid him. Do you remember what he told you in Galilee? He told you that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, yet he will rise on the third day. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Salome, Mary Magdalene, and Mary, the mother of James, just met an angel of the Lord. Eyes wide in amazement, the three turned to face each other. A form of silent communication seems to flow between them for a moment before they run out of the tomb. Joy and hope bursting within their souls at the astonishing thing that has just happened to them. We must tell the apostles this amazing news. Yes, they will be overjoyed. And so they run to where the 11 are gathered, 
the jars of spices forgotten in the sandy dust where they were dropped. Once they arrive at the house, they excitedly gather all the apostles together. As the apostles trickle into the room, sitting on chairs, standing in corners, they expectantly wait for something very important to be told to them, especially because these women are just so excited. We're walking to the tomb this morning, as you know, to anoint Jesus' body with spices. But when we arrived, the stone was rolled away. Jesus' body is gone. What? Who would do such a thing? Who would take away his body? Uh, Thomas, go send No, no, you don't understand. Jesus' body was not taken by anyone. He is risen. It was told to us in Galilee he would, and he did. He did. He rose again. Sure, Jesus did do amazing things while he was alive. But how is that possible when the person who had performed the miracles is dead? A dead person cannot possibly perform a miracle on himself. Peter decides to sneak out of the room. What are you doing, Peter? Where are you going? I forgot to check on the donkey. She's got to be hungry at this point, so I'm just going to go feed her. I'll be right back. The rest of the group shrugs off Peter's strangeness because the past few days have been quite odd enough already. Once out of the house, Peter begins to run. He runs to the tomb and he finds it empty. As he looks inside, he finds the linen cloths lying empty on the slab. He leaves the tomb and he meanders towards his home, wondering in awe at the proof of what had happened. Mary Magdalene, Salome, and Mary, the mother of James, received a call from an angel of the Lord, and they obeyed the call that they were given, although surely they were frightened, probably out of their wits. They were expecting a peaceful yet sad day in which they would visit Jesus' body and anoint it with oils and spices. Instead, they found the tomb empty, and an angel visited them, giving them infinitely joyous news. They obeyed the angel, they traveled to find the apostles, and all the while, their hearts were bursting with joy at the miracle that they had witnessed. The very same day that the three women found the empty tomb, two people were traveling to Emmaus, a village located seven miles from Jerusalem. While they were walking on the dusty path, They discussed with each other all the things that had happened in the past few days, from Jesus entering into Jerusalem to his death on the cross. I really do not know how to feel. All of this happened so fast. And to think that man was truly innocent. People were so happy about him arriving at first, too. They changed their minds about him so fast. Oh, people's minds, I tell you, so fickle and easily swayed. Definitely. Excuse me. May I join you two? Uh, yes, you may. Are you traveling with a certain destination in mind? We're traveling to Emmaus. If you don't mind me asking, where did you come from and where are you going? Oh, just from that other path over there. See the one by the fig tree? Recently intersected with this road. As for where I'm going, I'm traveling to the same place as you. Now this man that had joined these two is Jesus. But they do not realize it or know it for their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Pardon me for asking, but what were you two discussing before I saw you? Do you have any news from Jerusalem? The two men look at Jesus in confusion, 
are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened the past few days? What things? Things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and, and word, and, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. We had hoped he was the one to redeem Israel. I guess we were wrong. Some women we know amazed us. They were at the tomb where this man was laid early this morning, and when they did not find Jesus' body, they came back saying they'd seen an angel who said that he is alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. Oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Wasn't it necessary that the Christ should suffer these things to enter into his glory? Jesus continues talking to the two men, telling them of Moses and the prophets and how all that they had predicted for Jesus had come true. Soon the three men near Emmaus and Jesus starts to walk down the road, continuing on his journey, but the other two convince Jesus to stay with them in Emmaus. Stay with us tonight. It's evening and it'll be dark soon and dangerous. Yes, you never know who will be out on these roads at night. So Jesus went with them to Emmaus. When the group begins to eat dinner, Jesus took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And then their eyes were opened and they recognized him for a moment. At that moment, Jesus disappeared right before their very eyes. Wait, what? What just happened? He was here and he vanished. How? They looked around the room, they looked under the table and chairs, but he was gone. Didn't our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road? When he explained the the scriptures to us? How did we not realize it before? That man was Jesus all along. He was with us the whole time. He really is alive. We must go spread the news. Let's find the disciples. And so the two depart, traveling back to Jerusalem that very hour. They hurried along the road, kicking up dust, practically running the whole seven miles back to Jerusalem. Once back, they found the 11 disciples and the others gathered together, each with hopeful yet solemn faces. The group rises as the two men come into the doorway, out of breath and panting. Cleopas raises a hand, signaling to the group to wait a moment as he tries to catch his breath. The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. What? When? Where? Explain! Peter rushes over to Cleopas' side and guides him to a chair, giving him and his companion a cup of water. After a few moments of intense silence as Cleopas and his companion recover from their run, they explain to all those gathered in the room about what happened on the road and how Jesus had made himself known to them in the breaking of the bread. Wow! Do you know where he was planning on going when he disappeared? I have to talk to him. No, he never said anything. He disappeared right after we finally recognized him. He must have had a destination in mind. No one goes anywhere without a destination or purpose. He probably did, but he did not make it known to us. (sighs) Well, I guess we'll see where he appears next. In that same room, the disciples are still gathered together even after the two men leave. And the disciples are talking about everything that has happened. They feel shock and excitement and hope and fear and curiosity about everything that has just transpired. And then suddenly, 
peace to you, my friends. But they were startled and frightened. They thought they were seeing a spirit or what you might call a ghost. In Jesus' name, be gone, spirit. Haunt these halls no more. Why are you troubled? And why is there doubt in your hearts? You sure look like Jesus, but there's there's no way you're him. Jesus is dead. See my hands and feet? That is I myself. Touch me and see. A spirit does not have flesh and bones, whereas I do. I cannot possibly be a spirit for that reason. As he says this, he shows them his hands and feet. And while they still are not sure what to believe, Jesus asks them a question, quite out of the blue. Do you have anything to eat? The apostles were unsure of what to do at first. Thomas stands up and finds a piece of broiled fish in the kitchen, and he walks back to where Jesus is sitting. Thomas gives it to Jesus for him to eat. And Jesus does just that, perfectly calm, despite the tension and the confusion and the heightened curiosity all around him. Finally, after taking his time, Jesus finishes eating the fish and he speaks to the disciples. These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you that everything written about me in the Law of Moses, the Prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then Jesus opened their minds to the Scriptures and everything that has been and will be fulfilled. The disciples finally understand. It is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in His name to all nations, starting in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. When exactly will that promise be sent? And what exactly do you mean by power from on high? The promise will arrive soon. You will see what I mean when it arrives. On the day of Pentecost, the promise will arrive, sent from heaven bringing about a whole new world for the disciples and all believers. If you don't know what that promise is, please listen to the next episode to find out. For it is written by the prophet in Psalm 118 and in Job 19, I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. The Lord has disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Oh, that my words were written. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book. Oh, that with an iron pen and lead, they were engraved in the rock forever. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at last he will stand upon the earth. In Fulfillment is an audio drama that shares the prophecies about Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. This episode of In Fulfillment is a product of Northwestern Media, a ministry of the University of Northwestern St. Paul.